live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I started pillaging my father's things pretty soon after he died. He died of a heart attack one morning while he was sitting at the kitchen table uh, just an hour or two after his four children had left for elementary school. And it was 1976, which I guess um, the protocol of the time was to not talk about death. And my family was super good at that protocol. And it was also a time when I guess you weren't supposed to show any emotions. And so we were good at that too. Um, I never saw my mother cry. And I made pretty sure she never saw me cry because I didn't want to make her sad. Um, and I, w I was 11 at the time. And so I was just tall enough to be able to look inside of his, the very, very top drawer of his bureau, the shallow one where all the good stuff is. <laughs> and so um, I would stand there, I, I don't know for how many hours at a time, and I would just touch things and move them around and think about like, why did he keep that matchbook? Or why did he keep that coin? And I started taking just the little things first. I started with a little black plastic comb that had a few strands of his hair. And I also took his Harvard, uh, it was a plastic name tag that he had just written his name on and wore, worn for his uh, 25th Harvard reunion a couple months before. So I knew why he kept that one. So those were my first few things that I took away and kept. Um, and then over time, over the last 40 years, the, the winnings have gotten bigger. <laughs> my mom is now 81, so you know that she's in this moment of divesting all of this stuff that we've grown up with. Uh, she still lives in the house that we um, lived in when he lived with us, so um, she's been there 50 years, and she has a lot of shit. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, don't talk to my husband about this. <laughs> but uh, um, every time I go back now, I um, spend time in my father's study that we still call my father's study, and I start to fill boxes, boxes of his beautiful leather-bound books with gold print. And those are most, mostly poetry books, and so I bring them back here from Virginia. And I filled another box recently with his albums and um, got a record player and um, have those all now. And those are mostly jazz. He seems to like mostly jazz. And, you know, um, I don't, I don't really use these things. Uh, I don't read the books, really. I have only listened to a couple of the albums. Um, and God knows I don't need this stuff. But I feel like I must have it. I really must have it. And so I bring it all back here for safekeeping. And I guess I would say that 
I am his self-appointed unofficial steward. I feel like I send this stuff back here to my home here, like I'm a mother hen or a mother bird feathering her nest with his warm clutter. And I just let that stuff pile up. So you can imagine there comes a time in our house with our three children that one has to tidy up. (laughs) And a couple years ago, uh, it had gotten a little out of control in my home office, which it has a lot of purposes. Not a lot of work gets done there, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. And I decided it was time to get organized. And so the first thing I realized I needed to do was to make room for all these boxes <laughs> that keep coming in the, in the house. So I decided I needed to get rid of this chair that was in my home office. And it was a pink and white striped wingback chair, hideous. Uh, no sentimental value at all, and the only thing that you did on it was put your boxes on it before you opened them. So no one ever sat on it. I always thought someone would come and hang out with me in my home office. No one ever does. So I decided I needed to get rid of that chair. So I dragged that chair out to the top of the landing uh, on the second floor, and um, it sat there for days, days. It was almost as if no one in the family could really see it, just me. So no one really helped me carry it down until like the fourth day. Then finally, my lovely husband helped me carry it down the stairs, out the front door, down the front steps, and we left it on the front curb. And in our neighborhood, things stay there for like 22 seconds. Like literally, you could put junk out there and it would be gone. So we love it. We just love it. Recycling, woohoo. Anyway, so we put it out there. And the weirdest thing was it sat there for days. That's how ugly it was. At least that's what my son said. He's like, I always knew it was so ugly. Look, no one wants it. But it sat there all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And finally, when we got home, we were out to dinner on Saturday night, and it was gone when we got back, and we all cheered. So happy. The pink and white striped ugly chair is gone. The next day was a Sunday, and this was the day I was going to organize all my papers all my papers. So I took all my files out of their file cabinet, piled it all up next to me, and I started to go through this massive pile. And it didn't take me long to get to our important papers folder. And I think I thought every paper is important. So this was just exploding with passports and birth certificates and marriage certificates and wills and kids' report cards and you name it, it was in there. So I was beginning to sort it out, and it, and it didn't take long for me to come across a, a little business-sized envelope. It was pale yellow, and it didn't have anything written on the front. And so I was like, what is this? And I opened it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the appraisal for the ring. And this ring um, has great sentimental value to me. It was a ring I had inherited from my father's grandmother, my great-grandmother. And he had loved her so much, and he named me after her, Catherine Russell. So I was the lucky one in my family to inherit this gorgeous engagement ring. It was um, uh, two diamonds with a sapphire in the center and diamonds and sapphires embedded in a platinum band. Um, 
At the time, I was looking at the appraisal, I was like, oh my God, in 1983, it was worth $14,000. So, wow. Anyway, so I was thinking, I was thinking, um, ah, you know, I always keep it in a super, super safe place, you can imagine. And the place where I keep it is in this little silver cigarette box that uh, is where I keep actually the most sacred items that I have inherited from my, I was going to say pilfered, but really I've inherited them, inherited from my family, and mostly from my father's side. So the engagement ring um, from his great-grandmother and some pearl earrings that his um, mother had given me. I also had in that box, I had um, a uh, bracelet, a silver bracelet that he wore with his name in Boston on it, and he wore it during the Korean War. So I also had that in the box. And this was just the most important box in the world to me. It was of financial value, of course, and also sentimental value that was unmatched, really, by anything else. And um, I always kept it in this one very special place in our house. And I won't tell you where that was. But um, I finally, right before, like a couple months earlier, I had decided I had to move it, because we were going back east for a couple weeks for a family vacation. And I needed it to be in a super, super, super safe place. And it was at that minute, it was at that minute, that I remembered that that silver cigarette box was underneath the cushion of the pink and white striped chair. It was underneath the cushion of the pink and white, the fucking pink and white striped <laughs> chair. I could not believe it. I freaked out. I freaked. There's no other name for it. I completely freaked out. I screamed bloody murder. I threw down the envelope. I ran down the stairs. I slammed my body up against the front door and looked out the window. I was like, no! Oh my God, no! No! Oh my God, it really is gone. It's gone. It's gone. I am so stupid. How, how could anybody be so stupid? How could anybody not remember in the eight days it took that chair to travel from my home office down the stairs out and sat in front of my house? How could I not have remembered that box? How could, how could anybody ever have done that? And how, how could I have failed at this job of holding on to my father's things, of watching after them, how could I have failed after 40 years of doing that job? I had no answer. I had no answer. And I really, really, I, I have never felt such shame and loss, really. So I didn't want to really tell very many people, as you can imagine. Um, but I told a few people. I did not tell my mother. I did not tell anybody on that side of the family what had happened. But I did tell a few people and started to get advice about what to do. And you guys probably are thinking, like, I hope you called the police. I hope you checked all the pawn shops. Maybe did you get something written up in the paper? And I was actually so paralyzed. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just didn't know what to do, to be honest. 
And so I actually took one piece of advice that was so brilliant, and that was someone told me that I should try and just make a sign and put it right out on the curb where I had left the chair. So I made uh, two posters, I drew this chair, pink and white striped, and I wrote all over it that there was something of great sentimental value underneath. And I even put a $500 reward in big black letters, big black numbers on the poster. And I, on Wednesday morning, on Wednesday morning, I was done with this, I put it on a sandwich board and I walked it out to the curb. And as I put it down there, I all of a sudden had this massive sense of release because I just realized if I put this out here, the universe gets to decide whether I get this box back or not, whether this box will come back to me or not. And so all day long, I sat up in my office on the second floor looking down at the curb and all day long, dog walkers would walk by and cross the street and then keep walking. And cars would pull over and keep going. And no one stopped. They all looked and kept going. And then finally, finally, like around 5.15, 5.30, a blue Subaru pulled over and stopped and parked. And a woman got out. And she got out her phone. And she looked at the number on the poster and started to dial it. And I, I didn't wait for my phone to ring. <laughs> I ran down the stairs and I plowed out the door and I introduced myself. And she said, I have your chair and I have your box. So of course, I gave her a huge hug. And a few hours later, I was down at her house. And uh, she actually lived in Milwaukee and a half an hour south of where I live. And it turns out my house is on her daily commute. And she was heading back from work when she saw my sign, like she does every single day. When the, she was doing it earlier when she got the chair. So I went down to her house and she handed me the box and everything was intact. And I came home with the box. I brought it back to my house. You know, a couple months ago, um, I decided to get a couple, I, I have eight reel-to-reel -reel audio tapes that I had brought home from my father's study. These were audio tapes he had recorded in the 60s and the 70s. And I decided to get them transcribed, digitized. And um, I had no idea what was on them. And so when I went to pick them up, from the guy who digitized him. He asked me if I wanted to check the quality and listen to a track or two. And so I, um, I, I said, why not, I'll listen to it. So uh, I put the headphones on and he pressed play. And I heard two men talking to each other, kind of doing some kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek interview of each other. And I listened for a minute or two, and then I took, that, I took the headphones off. And the guy said, hey, did you, hear your, did you hear your father's voice? And I said, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what his voice sounds like. And I started to cry. And it was at that moment that I realized that I have no live memories of him. I, I don't know what his voice sounds like. 
I don't know how he walks. I don't know how he danced. But I do have his things because I am the keeper of his things. Thank you.